Good morning, Georgia, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonna. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land we're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Now onto the podcast. As always, Jono, another busy week in the sporting world. Of course. The NRL. Um, again, some big results over the weekend. There is still one game to be played, Parramatta versus Tigers, but the round so far... Penrith hammered Manly on a Thursday night, so it's not been a good start for Manly at all. 46-6. South Sydney, another convincing win on a good Friday clash against the Canterbury Bulldogs, 38-0, while the Melbourne Storm ran out 40-6 winners over the Brisbane Broncos. Cronulla Sharks, another big win, 48-10 over a struggling North Queensland Cowboys. Um, while the Canberra Raiders played Gold Coast Titans or beat Gold Coast Titans 20 points to four. Both of those games were actually played at Cogra Oval due to some Obviously, the COVID case that uh, that came in Brisbane, so both uh, Queensland teams had to be flown down and, and play those games at Cogra. St. George had a good win over Newcastle, 22-13, while Sydney Roosters were impressive with a 32-12 win over the New Zealand Warriors. Young gun Sam Walker impressing for the Chooks um, in his debut as he came in, obviously, for the injured Luke Keery, who will be out for the season with his ACL. Um, so some big results over the weekend, Jono. Um, obviously, we've seen some some blowouts early in the season. Do you think this is a concern for the NRL in terms of um, the top teams really pulling away from, from the rest of the rest of the pack? Yeah, definitely some huge results in terms of the scoreline. I don't think that there's necessarily any tight games when you look at just purely based on the score. And as you said, we are just seeing the top teams kind of just really pull away, especially when playing against those bottom ones. So I think that from an NRL perspective as a whole, you know, that doesn't make for essentially good viewing from the audience when they go into the game and they just know that they're going to get bruised and battered. So hopefully these teams that are amongst the bottom as of right now do start turning around and this is a bit of a wake-up call that the teams on the top are here to play this year and they're here to win the championship, whereas these bottom teams really need to step up at this point. It's early on in the season, so I think we do have a lot more time. But again, if you just look at this weekend alone in the past couple weeks, just if you look on the scoreline, it's been huge difference between um between the scores they haven't really necessarily been the close games except for when those top teams play each other exactly so hopefully we do see some uh closer results um in the coming weeks but i'll be interested to keep an eye on and see um where some of those teams head in the afl some major results over the weekend brisbane defeated collingwood with a kick after the siren on a classic game thursday night 73 to 72 while the young Sydney Swans, they are just on fire at the moment. Without Buddy Franklin um, on Saturday afternoon at the MCG, they defeated the defending champions, Richmond Tigers, 117-72. to So a, a very impressive win by the Sydney Swans there. Essendon recorded a much-needed win with a 143-68 thrashing and upset of St Kilda. While West Coast down Port Adelaide in the West, 108-71. to While the Giants continued their early season struggles, um, losing to Melbourne, 102-68. to So the Western Bulldogs remain top after their huge win over North Melbourne on Friday night, while Sydney and Melbourne sit second and third, respectively. So again, Jono, some uh, teams that weren't fancied uh, at the beginning of the season are on fire at the moment. Yeah, really a big result there for Sydney, as you said, against Richmond. And then also the Giants just keep on kind of struggling. They're sitting very, very far down at the table, the bottom of the table right now. So see if they can kind of turn things around. But... um. You know, as much as impressive that um, Sydney were, you know, can never uh, count out Dusty there and uh, the old Richmond Tigers, so we'll see what happens. Well, I think Richmond will be there at the end, but uh, a bit of a wake-up call for the Tigers. Um, in Super Rugby over the weekend, so Super Rugby Australia, Brumbies defeated the Waratahs 24-22, to while the Queensland Reds continued their great form by thrashing the Melbourne Rebels 44-19. The Reds 
stay top and undefeated um, ahead of the Brumbies in the Super Rugby Australia standings. Super Rugby Atoria, so the New Zealand Conference. The Crusaders suffered a, a rare defeat as they were beaten by the Highlanders 33-12, while the Auckland Blues defeated the Hurricanes 27-17. Despite the defeat, the Crusaders stay top over the Blues over there in New Zealand. The Premier League, Manchester City, a game closer to winning the, the title this year after an impressive 2-0 win over Champions League chasing Leicester City. In the, I guess the big contest at the moment up the top is the battle for the top four, Chelsea. Suffering a shock 5-2 loss to a relegation battling West Bromwich Albion. But then Tottenham failed to take advantage of this slip-up as they could only muster a 2-2 draw against a Newcastle United team that is, I guess, battling the drop as well. Manchester United secured an important win and consolidated second place with a 2-1 win over Brighton, while Fulham suffered a setback in their fight against the drop with a 3-1 loss to Aston Villa. So some uh, significant results in regards to the top four there, Jono. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think everybody was shocked with that result in Chelsea. Um, I'm, I know there's you know red cards, this, that, a lot of action there, but still to to lose that much. Um, you know, you look at Mendy and... and, and, and uh, and everything, and then uh, you know, it's just it's crazy to see a team in that form, um, or as what we thought was that form, lose by that much, especially with this big week ahead of them in Champions League, which we'll get to. Um, and then Tottenham as well. Just Tottenham has just been, you know, from the start of the season, I thought they were actually gonna do really well, but then just recently, just up and down, up and down. Throw you just away another lead. you just never know um, what kind of Tottenham team is gonna come out there. So it's it's that battle now. I feel like for that three and four spot, one and two have pretty much almost in my eyes been been locked up. But it's that three or four spot, which we'll really see. And it'll well, come certainly opens the end. up for a team like West Ham to take advantage. So it'll be interesting to see um, how that ends in the Premier League. A-League over the weekend. Some big results in the A-League as well. Western United won their Melbourne derby against the inform Melbourne City 2-1. While Central Coast won the top of the table clash against Adelaide United 2-1 to stay top of the league. MacArthur FC have moved into second place with an impressive 2-0 win over Perth Glory. While Brisbane and Western Sydney Wanderers played out a 1-1 draw. Sydney FC continued Melbourne Victory's miserable season as they won the Big Blue in Melbourne 3-0 and consolidated their place in the top six while Victory continued to languish at the bottom of the league. So uh, Melbourne Victory um, looking for some joy somewhere in the A-League at the moment. In the W-League, Melbourne Victory have secured their place in the W-League final with a 6-2 win over Brisbane Raw. They now wait to see who the opponents will be as Sydney take on Canberra United um, in the other semi. So... uh, could be a big blue uh, final there, Jono, in the W League, which would be uh, a great game, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. And uh, looking forward to see how that final series all ends up and could definitely be a really good game. It's been good W League so far, so we'll see how the finals uh, soup up. Definitely. And some other great news for women's football in Australia um, and New Zealand. Uh, the host cities and stadiums were announced for the 2023 Women's World Cup, so it's really becoming a reality now. Um, the games will be shared between Australia and New Zealand. It will also be the first Women's World Cup, which will feature 32 teams. So some of the stadiums which will be featured, you've got Adelaide, so Hindmarsh Stadium in Adelaide, Eden Park in Auckland, Brisbane Stadium in Brisbane, Dunedin, Dunedin Stadium in Dunedin, Waikato Stadium in Hamilton, the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium, um, in Melbourne, obviously, Perth Rectangular Stadium in Perth and WA, Stadium Australia and the Sydney Football Stadium, which will be done by 2023, will be the two stadiums used in Sydney, and then the Wellington Stadium in Wellington. So, uh, certainly becoming a reality now, Jono. Um, 
not that long away. Yeah, definitely not that long away. 2023 is right around the corner. And um, I actually think that they did quite well in terms of the host cities. And in terms of typically when you see those joint bids, um, the main country kind of has the opening match and the finals. Whereas here we actually see New Zealand getting the opening match. And then in Australia, they'll be getting the finals. So it's good that... That final will be in Sydney. Yeah, it's good that it's actually shared in that sense. Whereas, like I said, typically it's that main country is getting both the opening and all the big games and everything along those lines. So it's good that we can actually see that because opening ceremonies for these World Cups are great. And I can't wait to see what New Zealand kind of has lined up for us. Absolutely. In some other great football news um, for women's football here in Australia, Sam Kerr, she is on fire for Chelsea. Scored another hat-trick during the weekend as they beat Birmingham City 6-0. Um, and her Chelsea team continue to lead the WSL in England. So Sam Kerr on fire over in England. In some tennis news, world number one Ash Barty has defended her Miami Open title as she defeated Bianca Andrescu 6-3-4-0. Andrescu, though, had to retire after rolling her ankle. So some good uh, news for Ash Barty in defending her Miami Open title. Big uh, big results over in America, Jono. Some big sporting um competitions going on the ncaa um is at the end pointy end of the competition the women's national championship game has been decided stanford defeated arizona nail biter 54 to 53 um a great game jono and, and obviously arizona nearly pipped stanford but they just held on just enough to uh to win the national championship over in in america yeah, it's been a great tournament for the women's in terms of the quality of play um i think this year you know they definitely had quality all around it wasn't just one or two teams that kind of dominated um seeing a team as well like arizona that has never reached the semis let alone the finals as well kind of get there was great to see um i think overall the difference was uh was just that stanford you know kind of spread the ball out a bit more played played amongst everyone whereas arizona just relied on mcdonald at all at all times and you know, unfortunately, I feel like it's at some points that was kind of their 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 weakness was, you know, they were, that was the go-to player. And at times she kind of put it on her back to try and take everybody on. Instead, I feel like making a simple pass here and there could have could have really saved them as well um, in those final seconds. But overall, really good tournament for the women. Um, we look forward now to the to the men's side to see their finals. But um, yeah, so that'll be Tuesday morning Australian time. That'll be between Gonzaga and Baylor. So the totally the two favorites in regards to making it. I mean, Gonzaga were pushed in their final four game against UCLA. If you haven't had a chance, have a look at uh, the final shot to win it there in overtime. Uh, but that should hopefully be a, a classic men's game as well, Jono. Yeah, I think, and, and for the men's side as well, it just it fell, fell as everybody kind of predicted in terms of the finals, maybe not the road to the finals. Um, but I think prior to the term, everybody kind of saw Baylor and Gonzaga was going to be playing there. And rightfully so. Everybody wants to see a really good finals, as we saw in the women's nail-biter. So hopefully it comes down to that as well. A um, lot of good quality um, play throughout the tournament. So hopefully the finals is a quality game as well. Hopefully it will be. We also saw over the last week the return of America's pastime. The Major League Baseball is back, Jono. And it's back to 162-game season this year. So we're seeing a full year. Um any major results, do you think, from the opening round? And, and do you see anyone dislodging the Los Angeles Dodgers um, from winning the Major League Baseball title this year? Yeah, I think um, you know Dodgers are in form again. But um, you always got to go with some of the big guns. You know, the Yankees are looking, looking quite well. Um, Braves and some other teams as well can um, definitely um, give a bit of a push there. I think as well... Going into the season, we saw some big contracts being thrown out in the offseason. I think Certainly. I think the MLB is really trying to revive Major League Baseball, if anything, because we've kind of seen a dip in attendance and everything. Now, this is pre-COVID as well, um, that you've seen that dip. So they're really trying to invest in youth and young talent. Do you think that will pay off for the Major League? Do you think that we will see an increased 
interest again in uh, in baseball in America? Yeah, I think that um, they're they're trying to invest in the players who are exciting, and that's what you need to do. It's you know it's it's investing in somebody who's essentially marketable at this time, um, and you need to bring some more excitement. And you know even something as flicking that kind of money, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars to these players. That's automatically going to make somebody you know turn on that to that channel to to watch or attend a game to to watch somebody why was this person worth so much so even something like that is is possibly drawing in the fans but i I do hope that um that these attendance numbers get back to where it once was um and we can see some competitive nature and unfortunately i think what happened with the houston astros and the cheating scandals and everything just brought down baseball a little bit as well in its reputation because it's always had a bit of a reputation around um, the steroid era and, and cheating and things like that. So hopefully that can get moved into the past and we can kind of move forward with these young talents and that really big push to invest in young um, and see where we can kind of go from there. Major League Baseball has also uh, been in the headlines for um, around their All-Star game in the 2021 draft. So um, I guess, Johnny, you'll ex- expand on this, but but it's been pulled from Atlanta in response to Georgia changing its voting law. So... Uh, a big move by Major League Basel, who aren't usually associated with political movements, Jono. Yeah, again, I think that this is a really smart move by Major League Baseball to finally get involved in these kinds of things. We often see the NFL, NBA have kind of led the way in, in, in at least recent times in really starting to change the way they do things and make a stance um, politically to help back the players. Um, so essentially, you know, Georgia was trying to... or is passed laws to tighten essentially some of the voting rules and regulations and there's a number of them probably about a dozen or so um, anywhere from limiting the amount of ballot boxes that can be dropped off in each county to tightening up on little restrictions on actual voting days um, and just in a lot of people's eyes making it a lot harder for people to vote and especially for minorities and people that uh, i guess struggle to get to the vote yeah and when you when you see the you know, stadiums like the NBA that offered all their stadiums as voting polls or the NFL that's offering all their stadiums in the offseason as COVID vaccine sites, things like that, that this just showed that, okay, you know, the MLB really need to step up as well. And they saw something going on that was wrong. And for them to pull out, I think was a really good move on their point. And to not, not only just pull out the all-star game, but also to pull away from the draft from being held there as well. And kind of saying, look, we're not going to take this. Um, and we're actually going to take a stance and, and remove ourselves from that equation. I think that was really good uh, from the MLB standpoint. And I think that, again, if they're really trying to push this positive message amongst everything that has gone wrong in the MLB in of recent times, this is a great starting point for them to start pushing that message as well. I think it certainly is. And it's amazing for, I guess, MLB. Um, African-Americans only account for 8% um, of the rosters through the league. So I guess movements like this where the Major League Baseball are willing to to make changes and stand up for, for minorities and people that are, um, I guess, struggling, um, I think that is a really good community message and, and that is a way you can connect your sport um, to more people and make people feel embraced by that sport as well. Yeah, and it just shows that their players' union as well is, is really backing and taking on uh, everybody's like considering everybody within the MLB they're not just thinking of the vast majority they're thinking of the minority as well um, and I think that's a really good thing and a really positive image to see from their players association to to speak about that and to bring that up to the commissioner of the MLB and have that conversation amongst the owners when you look at baseball as essentially you know you, you kind of perceive it as that more conservative white sport 
But for them to take these kinds of things into consideration and actually move that, I think is a really good move from Major League Baseball and is a great start. And again, it's really good to see them joining essentially in my eyes what um, the NBA and, and WNBA and all those uh, NFL and all those other leagues of what they have kind of started and for them to kind of finally join in and take a stance on their own and, and see a problem and they stand up. This is they're the only league that's dealing with this in the sense and, and, and they've done that on their own, which is really good, not just joining something that they've actually started something on their own. It also just reinforces the uh, relationship between sport and, and politics like we've discussed before and on many occasions. Um, obviously, we also saw even in the uh, recent international games, you saw the Dutch and German teams wearing T-shirts um, in support of the Qatar uh, workers, which with conditions over in Qatar, um, atrocious and workers dying over there building the stadium so um, I think it is important that, that athletes and organisations um, as we've re- reiterated before stand up um, for these important political movements we've we've got the Winter Olympics um, to be hosted by Beijing next February and, and now that is being brought into question in regards to um, the wicked people from the Zhangjing region being sent for re-education and forcibly removed from their homes um, in regards um, to the Winter Olympics so um, I think these uh, these important organisations and, and world bodies and, and obviously big events um, like your Olympics and, and Europe and Euros and World Cups um, need to uh, are important to if if there's been injustices in terms of um, the lead up to these competitions they need to be spoken about and, and sort of changed um, to make good because ideally these these world events um, should be there to to grow um, a nation and obviously better a nation in terms of everyone benefiting from it, not just the elites um, or the majorities. Yeah, and, and like you said as well, a lot of these competitions are, you have a world audience here um, and it's also for that country to essentially show why why that country is so great, why they should be proud and everybody should be proud. They shouldn't be essentially Absolutely. displacing anybody. They shouldn't, it should be an embracing of that culture and it shouldn't be a demolishing of a particular region or culture or anything like that. And all eyes are on you at these times. So, you know, when you do something wrong, it's rightfully so that that should be called out as well. Um, and we shouldn't be hosting any sort of these events when there are those injustices happening in those parts because it's it's wrong to be hurting one set of a of, of a community or population for another one to just prosper and grow and make more money in their Absolutely. pockets. So. Um, so yeah, so a huge congratulations to the Major League uh, Baseball um, for doing what they've done. I think that's a really brave move on their behalf, and um, it shows you they they're willing to have a bit of a social conscience and, and sort of um, listen and, and accept that if things aren't um, being done right, especially um, where they were hosting games and, and drafts. So I think that's been a really good move by Major League Baseball. This week also um, signals a Champions League quarterfinals. So we're really at the sticky end of it now, Jono. Um, some huge games coming up Wednesday morning Australian time and Thursday morning Australian time here. Uh, Wednesday morning, we have Real Madrid versus Liverpool and then Manchester City versus Borussia Dortmund. While Thursday morning, with a replay of last year's Champions League final, Bayern Munich versus Paris Saint-Germain, while Porto take on Chelsea. We'll start with Real Madrid-Liverpool Wednesday morning. So it's a rematch of the 2018 Champions League final, Jono. Um, a huge out for Real Madrid, Sergio Ramos, um, the captain of Madrid. And whether or not you like him as a player um, is up for debate, but you can certainly not argue with the leadership qualities um, and the confidence he brings 
to that Real Madrid team. How much, how a significant loss is this for the Real Madrid team um, in terms of um, taking on Liverpool? Oh, I think that this is huge. He's essentially, like you said, he's their leader. Um, especially with the departure of Ronaldo in terms of providing um, a bit of, you know, just that push to keep on winning. You can tell Ramos is, is a winner and all he wants to do is win. Um, and I think that he's he's essentially their spine in my eyes. Um, without him in the back line there, you know, somebody else is going to have to step up. I think Benzema always does a great job stepping up offensively, but can he really lead that team to the next to next push? And we've seen historically as well that the last couple of times Real Madrid have been knocked out has been when Ramos has not been on that field as well. So it'll be really, really interesting. Um, I could see Salah probably smiling right now without having Ramos there. Um, but it'll be really interesting as well as the fact of that you actually have seen, I feel like in a recent kind of days, Liverpool has found a bit of... Um, bit of form there, so they're. I was going to touch on that. Which team do you think is actually coming into the contest in better form? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Liverpool is, and I would also say um, Diego Jota has been in great, great form uh, for what he's done in Portugal in the international break, and then just recently as well, scoring again. Uh, he's been in great form, so they have weapons. Of course, we know that Liverpool has weapons, so it actually tip Liverpool a little bit, especially without having. Um, Ramos there for Real Madrid but overall I think it's going to be just a classic matchup and it's going to come down to just who can grind out the result the most I don't think it's going to be the prettiest of football to be honest So do you think it will come down to which defence is going to be more solid obviously you've got a new pairing in Liverpool as well um, but obviously they've had they haven't really had Van Dijk all year and obviously they've suffered all year um, so do you think it will come down to which defence can be more solid Yeah you look at it but that both their kind of key defenders are out in a sense. I know Liverpool have been dealing with this a little, a lot longer and Real Madrid have dealt with it before. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it, I think it is going to come down to the defense at this point. Who can contain those offensive weapons the best because both teams have those weapons. Um, I don't think anybody should under, underestimate what Benzema could do even on his own, especially with his supporting cast. And then of course we know the kind of attack and firepower of Liverpool when they all are firing. So it'll come down to that defense for sure. So, Jono, who are you picking on? Who is going to go through from Real Madrid versus Liverpool? Oh, look, on paper, I'd probably say Liverpool, but I would love to see Real Madrid kind of sneak on through. I'm going to pick Liverpool. I think they're going to be too strong. I think they've got too much firepower for this Real Madrid team. Manchester City versus Borussia Dortmund. Another few storylines in this uh, this clash. So, Erling Haaland, the player that everyone's talking about, where will he be next year? He's going to be actually playing against his Father's old club, Alfing Haaland, did play for uh, Manchester City. Um, Jaden Sancho is also set to miss both legs um, for Borussia Dortmund, so a, a big loss for Dortmund. How did Dortmund approach this game, John? Because on paper, they shouldn't get anywhere near close to Manchester City. Yeah, I think I, I've said this before as well. I think that the biggest thing for Dortmund is that they're young, they're fun, and they just want to play freely. And I would say that they just need to approach that game in that sense. Yes, on paper, they are not meant to win this game at all. But... If they go out there and just play with a bit of joy and with just a bit of creativity and, and not getting stuck into some sort of a system, I actually think that they might be able to, you know, produce some sort of a result. I would actually love to see that that they could. But you go against Man City, that seems like it's not even just what they have in their starting 11. It's they're just so deep. Um, Pep as well is just going to tactically kind of adjust as they need. Um, but it's going to be definitely a good one. Interestingly, you touch on Pep. Do you think Manchester City's actually biggest hindrance is Pep overthinking? We saw it last year against Leon when they, they really should have beaten that Leon team, but he overthought his tactics and almost um, they really just, just stuffed that last up last year. Do you think that's his biggest hindrance? Pep just needs to relax and let his trust his players 
to play like they have been. Yeah, I do sometimes think that um, sometimes, you know, he, he's a great manager and, and he, uh, believe me, he's able to adapt, change and kind of create these new formations that now all teams play with and philosophies. But I do think that when it comes to certain games, I think he does sometimes try and do too much, um, especially it seems like. Not necessarily when he's playing against another top team or anything like that, but it's when he's playing against those teams that he definitely should be beating. I think he almost overthinks that, and that's when then things and problems kind of occur. Now, again, we say this every year, though, that Man City has one of the best teams on paper, but they don't always reach the top, and I think sometimes you're right, is because you might be overthinking things. Um, and, I mean, look, if they're going up against a Bayern or this or that, maybe he just lets those players play, but when it's going against these small teams, he overthinks, tries to do a bit too much, I feel like, at some points. And also, will this prove an audition for Erling Haaland to Manchester City? Is this going to be an early audition for him? Obviously, we know Aguero is leaving at the end of the year. Pep's come out and said they're not going to be looking for a striker, but uh, I don't really believe him. I think they'll be in the market for a striker. So uh, could this be an early audition? Yeah, I mean, of course, I feel like they're going to be be watching him as well, kind of the world in that sense. And I also think that that's another psyche thing to kind of think of for Dortmund, that, you know, the reports of him and his, uh, his agent essentially going over to Spain to speak to Barca and Real Madrid, what does that do for the players of Dortmund as well, being like, oh, this guy's just going to leave us after this no matter if we win or lose. So what? Wh- why should we be letting him lead us the way? So it's um, it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, definitely I think that um, that they'll be keeping a close eye on him, especially with Aguero leaving after the season. Who are we picking, Jono? I'll look again, Man City on paper, but I would love to see Dortmund going. And I think that possibly... Um, if there's going to be a team that could beat them, I think Dortmund's going to be the one. So I'm going to I'm going to tip my hat to Dortmund. We'll see. All right, I'm going to go Manchester City. I think that's going to have too much for them over the two legs. All right, Thursday morning we see the rematch of last year's final: Bayern Munich versus PSG. I guess the biggest question is: No Robert Lewandowski for Bayern Munich. Um, how will they adjust? And does this um, obviously give PSG? Obviously, it gives them a bit more of a fighting chance to. Uh, to win this yeah i think obviously this gives them a they're, they're looking at this and they're smiling at this point um to not have to to face Lewandowski, but um you know Bayern are just honestly they're just so deep um they have so many players who can play in all different roles as well they're very versatile so i would say yes of course this affects them um they they're, they're losing out on their main guy but they're just so solid in, in every other position as well. And like I said, so many players can just slide into that role as well because each player, honestly, they, I, I don't feel like Bayern has set positions in, in some cases. They can move players about. It seems like they still work flawlessly. Um, so PSG definitely have a, a battle. Um, we've seen PSG struggle in the French League this year. Well, yeah, they lost to Lille over the weekend, so they're not even top of the league over in France. So current form, um, they're definitely struggling. But um, the biggest thing that PSG have is creativity when they attack and that counter-attacking football. So we'll see what they can actually produce. But yeah, I mean, you can't you can't go against Bayern, I feel like, at, at all points because the players that they have are just so versatile as well. I mean, obviously, Neymar moved to PSG to lead his own team. Is this now the time for Neymar? He needs to step up, doesn't he? In terms of leading PSG, obviously, you've got Kylian Mbappe um, along there with him. But Neymar needs to really perform for PSG at this these are the times he needs to perform. Yeah, look, technically, I'm still always going to say that as of right now, Neymar is still technically top three in the world in what he can do. And honestly, if he's going to do something without Lewandowski for Bayern Munich, this is the time that he needs to step up and beat Bayern and single-handedly, I feel like, put PSG on his back and take him through. Um, yes, he has a great supporting cast, but it's time for him to step up and he needs to lead the way. Mbappe is very young in his career still, so he has time to do that. 
Neymar is at the point where he should be putting the team on his back and he should be leading them away. Um, so for that point, I, I do think that PSG have a chance, um, but Bayern are just a force to be reckoned with. Jono, who are we going with? Oh, look, I'm saying this, I feel like, every single time. Bayern on paper, but I'm going to go with PSG because I think Neymar is... He has that flame a bit under under himself right now, and he's going to try and push him through. I'm actually going to I'm going to agree with you on this one, Jono. I'm going to go for PSG. I think the Lewandowski uh, out for Bayern will prove decisive in the end, but I think PSG somehow they're going to they're going to lift and do it. I think Pochettino is going to lead them to a semi. And look, it so. might be that you know they scrap la, uh, the the league and they just go for Champions League. Absolutely. All right, the last quarter final, and on paper the one that probably looks most uh, or easiest to pick, Chelsea versus Porto. Um, obviously, Porto, uh, that huge win over Juventus the last round, and Chelsea sort of really eased past Atletico Madrid, even though on paper that looked like the trickiest round of 16 game. Um, obviously, we saw Chelsea fall over on the weekend. That was Tuchel's first loss as a Chelsea manager. Um, do you think this form will, will show in the Champions League, or do you think they'll uh, obviously pick themselves up and... and uh, come back into that form they were showing before the weekend yeah it's interesting with Chelsea because they're essentially they, they showed a really good uh, streak of, of winning and kind of producing and some really good results defensively, yeah. so it was surprising it's, to it's, see them fall apart yeah and then they just fall apart like that and just makes you think just like we've talked about even like a Tottenham as well that up and down um, struggles of course we're all aware with Timo Warner um, what's going to happen with him and I think that Chelsea they do have so many options in terms of young talent and talented players and it's about getting the the right players on the pitch. Um, and it appeared to see Pulisic injure again on the weekend, so it looks like he'll be out um, for these ones, at least this first leg. Yeah, and, and and as you said before, you know this game, realistically, if you look at it on paper, it's like, oh, it might not be the most amusing game, but realistically, I think that this is going to be the game to watch. It's going to produce the most surprising results, and the games are going to be tight. Well, Porto showed in the last round against, I know it's not a vintage Juventus team, but they showed they're not scared of playing against these bigger opponents, and... Uh, and they'll give it their all. They they will make it hard for Chelsea. Um, obviously got the old Pepe still leading them at the back. So we know how he plays. He's going to be tigerish, and he's going to he'll be the dark arts of the game, as as some people like to call it. But um, they'll certainly give Chelsea a game. I think. Yeah, I think that's exactly that. If they showed anything in the last round, Porto was the fact that they can just sit back, defend, and not allow you to score. And they 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 defend in and it's from Pepe as well in such an organized manner. Um, and then when they attack, they attack freely. So that's what you need. And, and you know, what what Chelsea are we going to see is really, I think, the question. Um, and what is Tuchel actually going to produce? Who Who is he going to select for this team? Because, look, he's he's still, in my eyes, fairly new um, in terms of the role, still trying to figure things out, fu- trying to figure out the best combinations. They've had some injuries. They've had some up and downs as well. So it just comes down to who is he actually going to pick for his starting 11 as well as those cups, couple substitutes and when he's going to use them and, and who is... Who does he actually have faith in that's going to take him to the next level? Absolutely. So, Jono, last quarter final, who are we picking? I'm going to pick Chelsea for this. Um, but I don't think it's going to be easy, and I wouldn't be surprised if Porto do go through as well. So, But I will pick Chelsea, but I wouldn't be surprised if Porto go through. I'm with you. I think Chelsea, um, in the end, their extra bit of quality will, will be a little bit too much for Porto. But I agree. I think it could be uh, tighter than most people anticipate. All right, as always, we're going to end with five questions, quick fire questions. Jono is going to be asking me this week. Um, so let's go, Jono. Let's do it. So let's as we touched on before, you talked about the 2023 Women's World Cup. 
um, that the stadiums essentially were announced. Were you surprised that there was no games being held in the Northern Territory or Tasmania? And which one were you more sad to see left off the list? Not surprised. Um, I just think it shows at the moment um, football in those countries. Also, the stadiums, uh, whether or not you have a suitable stadium, especially in the Northern Territory. Um, not surprised, but there's certainly areas um, that hopefully in the next few years we'll, we'll see some development and we will see more football um, in those areas because it'd be great. Obviously, football is a national game, so it's great to, to see those spots uh, chosen. But yeah, as I said, not surprised this time that they weren't included, especially with um, the New Zealand stadiums also um, being included in, in some of the I think it's cities. a good... It, it's it's like you said about the infrastructure as well. You don't want to just build a stadium that then is never going to get used again. You need to make sure that if a stadium is going to be put in place that it's going to be used as well. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, sticking in with football, you talked about Sam Kerr and her current form. Um, she just essentially, in, in my eyes, leading the way in terms of the Chelsea for the Women's Champions League as well. Is this the year to take home the title of, of Women's Champions League winner? I think Chelsea can obviously do it. Obviously, you've still got Leon um, in there. They, I think we've got a. They've still got their quarterfinal game against uh, Paris Saint Germain, which should be a cracker. Um, and Chelsea are playing Bayern Munich in, in the semi-finals. Um, but from what I can see, Chelsea can score goals, and I think if you can score goals, you're always going to give yourself a chance. So um, I think hopefully, it'd be great for Australian football if Sam Kerr could uh, could lead Chelsea to the uh, Champions League final this year. A possible treble for her. Yeah, definitely, on. definitely. And I think that even Nike has really backed her as well as, as an icon in, for women's sports um, in general. So I think that's a really Only big thing. Only here in Australia, but That's what I'm saying, globally, yeah. So it's really good for um, Australians as well as just globally women's football. Absolutely. Switching over to the NBA, the playoffs are right around the corner. Um, so everything's starting to shape up there. But of course, we still have a little bit more time. But what team are you most excited to see in playoff form so right now we see some injuries things like that kind of resting some players so who are you most excited to see once they hit playoff form um well i think your big boys are all going to be there i think obviously at the moment lebron's out for the lakers but he will return and actually could be a blessing for him a little bit of a rest um before the playoffs so i obviously think the lakers will have a say um the clippers um and probably the nets i think i'll be really interested to see the nets they haven't been in a playoff and they're expected to go deep this year um, so I'm going to be excited to see how they uh, how they go. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see what the Nets are like in terms of bringing everybody together and actually playing with their and real also team. where the seedings finish because we've got some interesting we've got some big boys lower than yeah, what yeah, they especially expected in the and East, some, yeah. And, yeah and some boys that are up the top that are weren't expected to do so well. Oh, watch out for them, Phoenix Suns. Oh, could be. <laughs> um, as we touched on before in the NRL, there's definitely a separation between the top and the bottom. Which is the team that you think is going to turn it around from the bottom and make their way up the ladder? So which team are we picking? And don't Good be biased question. here to Manly. Good, <laughs> Good question. No, Manly at the moment. We'll leave Manly for now. Um, well, I, I guess a team that was picked to struggle and started really well is St. George Illawarra. Um, they've had a really strong start to the year, which has been surprising. Um, in terms of teams that have really battled, I think... I mean, maybe the Cowboys, but they're just looking really disheveled at the moment in terms of the combinations. And I think what it's showing is um, a lot of the teams that have got three or four really good players and a lot of the salary cap is in that, in those three or four plays, it's been lost in the rest of the team. It's really average. You need a team that's quite evenly spread, um, which I think it's, it's what it's showing at the moment. I think the teams that are heavily packed with a few players um, lack that quality across the team so I think that's what it's really re- emphasized especially those last few these few rounds um, 
But maybe, yeah, I think maybe a St. George Alora could have a better year than what people were anticipating. Oh, that's great. That's great. And lastly, sticking with the Australian icon, Ash Barty, as you said, won in Miami. But why does she still struggle at Grand Slams? I think Grand Slams, like any big tournament, I think they're a mental thing. Um, and sometimes it's hard to explain. I think Ash Barty will win more. Um, but I think she's obviously got the game, but that is a huge mental thing for her. And and you get people like Serena Williams and, and these Anami Osaka, and they just seem to be able to mentally um, switch it on and be consistent over that two weeks. So I think that's the other hard thing is playing game after game at such a high intensity and being able to peak at the right time. But um, I think Ash Barty will win more, just... It's not an easy thing in Grand Slam. I think that's what it shows. It's not an easy uh, thing to win. Yeah, and she's you know she's been holding that world number one title for quite a while. Um, we can see she clearly can win, but hopefully we can see her win a couple more Grand Slams as well. I think it'd be just great for the game as well. Definitely. Well, that brings to the end another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, thank you for listening and good night.